0: Welcome to the official podcast of North Park Church. This week is week five of our current message series, New Mercies, and we are wrapping this series up. Today, Pastor Chris and Pastor Anthony both speak about how to address change in a biblical way. We hope this message inspires you and encourages you in your daily walk with Jesus.
1: Well, today we are talking about opportunities. We're talking about open doors. And so if you want to turn in your Bible to Revelation chapter 3 or you can go to your uh, UVersion Bible app, all of today's notes are going to be right there for you. If you go to the menu, uh, events, type in North Park Church, all of these scriptures are right there for you. Uh, but we're talking about open doors and the fact that open doors are these limitless opportunities that God has for each of us. And so we're going to talk about what these opportunities and these doors are straight from scripture. Help yeah. us dive
0: in. Um, so let's, let's read the passage, and then I want to give you some context. So verse 7. Uh, and to the angel of the church uh, in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Uh, behold, I set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. And so Revelation is kind of a book that sometimes we, it, it depends. You either love it and you're in it all the time, um, or you are scared to death of it and you stay away from it. And so we forget how practical this book is. And in this section, it's about the letters to the churches. And this church is, is doing actually really well Uh, But Jesus says you have an open door opportunity. And here's what he's talking about. This city was strategically founded because it was right around the border of three other cities uh, that were very influential. And the whole idea was that this city would spread the Greek culture and Greek language uh, through its influence just where it was. And it was so... Um, It did so well that not long after it was planted and started, uh, those other cities that were next to it no longer could speak their native language. After generations worth, they were all speaking Greek. They all had Greek culture. And so they had a position and a platform that they were using to spread a language and a culture. And Jesus says, I want you to stay where you're at. And I want you to use that same energy, that same creativity, that same influence, but instead of spreading Greek culture, I want you to spread the gospel. And it worked really well, and they had this opportunity. And so we're we're talking about this idea of open doors. Sometimes open doors are going to a new place. Sometimes open doors are finding a new way um, to either minister or do life where you're currently at. And so we see this not just in the gospel, but also in our lives. And what we want to talk about today is how do you identify those doors? How do you know when
1: it's a door that God's put in your way? Or it's kind of a door that you're trying to break into on your own. And, and this is a scripture that I use a lot when I'm praying for people. Because one of the things that, that as pastors we probably deal with more than anything else, probably the question we get more than anything else, is how do we know what God's will is for my life? Um, I think we can all say that there are seasons and moments in our life when we feel stuck. And maybe you feel stuck in your relationship, not that you want to get out of it or anything like that, but you feel like your relationship has hit a hit a little bit of a wall or or, or it's just gotten comfortable or normal and, and, and you want it to be amazing and, and you want it to be exciting. And, and so sometimes we can get stuck. And, and we do that in our careers and, and we do that in, in, in these other areas of our life. And so when we feel like that, oftentimes it's like, well, we just need to, to have another relationship or another job but I pray this verse over people a lot you know that God would close doors that no man can open and that he would open doors that no man can close that that the opportunities that we're walking into are not just good opportunities or good doors but they're God doors God opportunities right and and I think what's interesting is
0: um, Pastor Anthony always tells this great story about how he was afraid he was going to miss the rapture. Jesus was going to come back. He'd miss it. He'd call his mom. Yeah. So it seems like the two things, if you are a Christ follower, where you kind of run to Jesus, um, is if you think the end of the world's coming or you have to make a decision that affects your world and your life. And so if you ever noticed when you have to make that decision, you become a little bit more spiritual. You're listening to worship a little more. You're leaning in, which are, which are not bad things. But I think sometimes what we do is we go to God so he would give us that thing that we want. And that's not actually a new idea. Uh, Any religion, any culture in history was always trying to figure out how to manipulate or how to bargain with whatever God existed to get him to do what you wanted him to do. And very early on, God sets the tone in his word um, that it's not just this relationship where you come to him just to get that. Now, I want to be clear. He wants to give you guidance, but there's something he he wants more. And it's really different. Um, In fact, there's a really weird verse in the Bible. Leviticus 19, 19 talks about how you can't breed certain animals together, and you can't wear clothes of two different materials or cloth together. And that's always sounded really weird. Uh, But for the Jewish people, it was because that cloth, that idea was sacred. In fact, what the priest would wear was two different types of cloth. But in general, in that time, people would actually think that if they wore two different materials together, it was almost as if there were gods over all these different crops that the clothes and stuff were made out of. And if they mixed two different materials, they created an offspring for that god. And now that god owed them something, which sounds really weird. So why why does God say don't do that? Because he's saying I'm not the kind of god who wants to be manipulated or bargained with. I'm a god who wants to enter in relationship with you and provide guidance daily,
1: not just for big moments. And I think the relationship key is, is, is everything. Because at the end of the day, that's what God wants. I mean that's why he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for your sins and mine is because he wants that relationship with us and and I think for for me personally through so much of my life that it was it was really about what I could do for God and 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 accomplish for him and instead of recognizing that what he really wanted more than anything was for me to just surrender to him and walk in this relationship with him
0: yeah, yeah and if, if if we're not careful. We're still trying to bargain or we're still trying, as pastor said, kind of prove our worth. Another area that makes it hard when it comes to God's will is we kind of fall into two camps. Sometimes we think everything's up to us. We have absolute free will. Every decision we make is all on us. The outcomes are all on us. Or depending on your background, God has made the decision for you already. Everything's predetermined. He's in total control and makes all the decisions. Mm And so if you fall too far into the first idea, you think, well, I'm totally in charge, which sounds nice, except it creates a crippling fear and anxiety. If you wake up in the morning and think, my entire life depends on the good choices that I make. And Andy Stanley always says, I was a part of every bad decision I made. (laughs) Like, I was there for it. And so it can cripple you with fear. But the other way, if you just say, well, it's just up to God and God's in control, you actually become cynical and passive and just say, well, God's in control. So it's got to be either or. But what we see in Scripture is there is a tension that both things are true at the same time, that you and I are responsible for our choices, for what we do, for how we behave, for the decisions that we make and yet God at the same time is very much in control and driving history and driving our lives, Romans says, to make us into the image of Jesus. And so what that does is it causes me to be active in decisions in my life, know that it makes a difference, but also at the end of the day not freak out and rest in the fact that no matter how bad I manage to mess things up, God is able to take those things and weave them into my story and ultimately reach the goal of being like Jesus.
1: So what I hear you say, and, and, and I love that we can just have a conversation when we do these things. I think that's what's best uh, when we do that. Um, so would you say that God is more concerned about who I'm becoming than what I'm doing?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. So uh, Romans, the big, the big idea is that you and I become like Jesus. And so you and I kind of pick out these snapshots of, you know, I want to, if I do this, and you and I have talked about this, we often make these statements. If I just had this, then, then I would be happy. Then I would be out of debt. Then I would never need anything else again. And what happens is we continually let ourselves down. We're frustrated at God and we're mad at ourselves, which is the story of Scripture, right? Israel is always trying to find what they think will fulfill them. Outside of God. And in the New Testament, the Jews think if the Romans are gone, then we'll be happy. And Jesus says, that's not gonna fix it. Another empire will come, another group will come. I'm trying to do something so much bigger,
1: yeah. and it's and it's who I'm making you to be. But it's it's no different than what we do now. Right. It's if I can get into this relationship, if I can get into this position, if I can have this possession, if my kids can do this. Like We do this all the time, and it's like we're constantly searching for fulfillment. We're constantly searching for satisfaction. We're constantly searching to fill this emptiness and void that we have, And instead of running to Jesus and finding it in Him, we're running to all these different places. And then when we find that or we attain that, um, it's it's never fulfilling, and it's like we're just it's 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 like what Scripture says. It's like it's chasing the wind, right? Yeah, we're yeah. never gonna get it, and and so like I, I'm just learning more and more and more that at the end of the day, what 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 Jesus wants is is complete surrender, and I think He's using these things in my life, these experiences. He's using my career. He's using ministry. He's using relationship. To really form me into the image of God. And and I know it it sounds weird, but Shannon and I have talked so much about what marriage is and what a godly relationship is about and making sure that we're in a marriage and a a relationship that honors God in in every possible way. And and one of the things that we talk a lot about is what is this for? Is, Is this relationship for us? Is this relationship for our kids? Is this relationship for others to give hope to others? Is this relationship for the Lord? And and I think it may be all of those things, but at the end of the day, I find that it's shaping me more into to, to the to the man that God wants me to be, and and when I'm in this relationship and and we're honoring the Lord in it, um, somehow He's He's shaping me into the person that He desires me to be. Like I'm I'm a better man because of that godly relationship. I'm I, I'm I'm more aware of God's presence in my life. I, I'm listening to Him and. And, and I, I think we just have to be more aware that who we are becoming is more important than anything that we could accomplish in our life.
0: Yeah, uh, there's a really interesting article uh, in the New York Times. And they interviewed this waitress who worked at a really upscale restaurant. And she talks about how c- uh, celebrities that were once part of the wait staff, you know, they were working and trying to make it big. They would make it big and then they would come back in to actually eat. And be customers, and so they were once her coworkers, and now they're customers. And she said every single one of them, and and she said some of them are, are really big names, um, were actually happier before they made it big. And she ends the article by saying that one of the most cruel things God can do is give you everything you ever wanted, because then you would find out you're still not satisfied. And she said the people we're miserable, and so in some ways, it's a blessing when God doesn't give us everything we want because we have this this hope. We think there's still something else that's going to fulfill, and it doesn't, but it's so interesting, Pastor Anthony, you said um, about just kind of depending totally on him. There's a verse in Proverbs 16 that says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed, um, and I used to think that verse meant if I give my plans to God,
1: um, then he'll make sure they happen. Can you, you, you relate to that where you yeah. think that's? Well, and, you know, I, I, I think uh, the, the, you know, the verse, I think, I, flip, flip, I think we take verses the wrong way. You and I talk about yeah. that a lot. And, and there's a verse that I took for the wrong way, I think, for a long time. My mom used to tell me all the time, God will give you the desires of your heart. God will give you the desires of your heart. And what that meant to me, this is the way I took it. If I have a desire, God will give it to me. You know, if I want that new Tesla, God'll give it to me. You know what I'm saying? Like if I if I want that job or I want that, God'll give it to me. And and I took that completely out of context. And 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 I can say the same thing again, and it means something completely different. God gives you the desires of your heart, which means he places those desires inside you. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's not just whatever you want, God'll give you. But God actually will place the desires, the godly desires in your heart. And so my prayer for, for so often, and we all do this, God bless us, right? God, would you bless my marriage? Would you bless my finances? Would you bless this opportunity? Would you bless this thing, this idea? You know, I, I'm a dreamer and I'm a visionary and I, I'm entrepreneurial. I want to start something new. And, and it's always, let me come up with this elaborate plan and God, God bless it. God bless it. But instead, I've, I've started praying, God, would you birth in my heart what it is that you want to bless? You know, it's like that Home Alone situation. Everybody remember Home Alone? It's about Christmas time. Anybody put your Christmas trees up yet? Yeah. I know I know you guys have. Uh, so, so like, that's my favorite Christmas movie. And it's a Christmas movie, right? Yeah. yeah. It happens at Christmas. Oh, movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so this idea of he sees this situation, he sees this problem, he sees this need, right? Somebody's coming to, you know break in the home so he comes up with this elaborate plan and then he sits down at the table right right before and this is the prayer i love his prayer he's like god would would you bless this this plan and 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 thank you for this macro macaroni and cheese meal and the woman who sold it to me on sale amen you know it's that's kind of ideal like we come up with this plan god would you bless it now we're going to move forward but instead like starting on our face and really seeking God, birth inside us what it is that you wanna bless. And before we ever take a step, like we want you to birth inside us what it is that you desire to bless in our marriage, in our family, in, in, in our business, in our church, like whatever it is that you wanna put your hand on, would you birth that on the inside of us? And then we wanna walk that out. Yeah, and, and that
0: goes perfect with that verse because when it says commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed, that word commit, it means to put all of your weight on something. So what he's saying is commit your entire life, your deeds, the way that you conduct yourselves, rely completely on the Lord and then your plans will succeed. And here's why he says that, as pastor said, because when you are committed and totally surrendered to the Lord, you're gonna be in the posture to receive wisdom, but you're also gonna be the type of person that wants to receive wisdom. Because when you recognize you can't do it all and you have to depend on the Lord, you're also gonna become a more humble person. And do you realize that people love to help humble people? And all of a sudden, your plans are working and things are great? It's because God has changed your heart. You're dependable on him. You're not prideful. You're not trying to show that you can do it all. People actually want to work with you and help you. And, it, and it's this idea of guidance throughout our entire lives. And so it's, it's, not, it's putting all of our weight on God. And, and I love this idea in that when you pay a lot of money for advice, you're more willing to apply that advice. So if a friend gives you advice and it's free, it's take it or leave it. But if you own a business and you hire a consultant, and you pay them $10,000 to come into your company, and they share with you what you need to do, even if you don't like the advice, you're probably going to take it. Why? Because you invested so much into that relationship. The same is true with your Heavenly Father. When you have totally committed to Him, put all of your weight on Him, and said, "If, if you don't come through, nothing else will, then you've invested in someone that you are now ready to take advice from because it's cost you everything.
1: That's so powerful. So can we end with one thought? How do we know the difference in a good thing and a God thing? So if we're talking about God's will, we're talking about open doors, maybe somebody's sitting here with a door before them wondering what in the world? Is this a God thing? Is this a good thing? Is this, is this a my will or this is this the thy will? What are some things that you would think about?
0: I mean, the first go-to in, is Scripture, right? If, if what you're looking to do um, is not, is, is it morally acceptable? Is it against God's word? Um, and then I would always, once it kind of passes the scripture test, are there people in your life who have wisdom, but also are willing to tell you the truth, even if you don't want to hear it? Those are the first two for yeah. me. So yeah. I think you? for
1: me, it's all also, um, does it stand the test of time? All right. Because for me as a dreamer, like, I will have an idea every single day. And I'm like, this is it. This is going to change everything. And then tomorrow I'm like, I have a better idea. It's going to change everything. You know, it's like, I, and so I have to really think, does this stand the test of time? And I, I know when, when we started North Park Church, like, I tried to get away from it. Like, I tried to run from it. I tried to push the ideas away. And no matter what I did, it just kept coming up. It was like it was just consuming. And I knew, and this is kind of what it came down to, I knew I would be disobedient to the Holy Spirit if I didn't walk through that door. And so I, I, I know that God can't bless our disobedience. And I think that's a huge action step today. When you start thinking about, okay, Holy Spirit, what am I going to take away from this message? What are the steps that you want me to take? I think that's a huge one. Am I going to be obedient to the voice of God in my life? Am I going to walk through these God opportunities? Or am I, or am I going to run from those things in my life? And, and the reality is God will not bless our disobedience. And I want to say that again. God does not bless our disobedience. And so instead of praying, God, would you bless me? Would you bless me? Would you bless me? Knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're not following his plan. You're not not walking in alignment with his word. You're not honoring God in your relationships. You're not honoring God in your finances. You're not honoring God in, in, in your business. But you still want God to bless those things. That's not the way it works. Like we have to walk in alignment with him. We got to walk in step with him. I'm going to tell you as husbands and wives you really maybe you would say I still feel like we're on the same page Well, it's not that you're not on the same page together. You're not on the same page with the Father. And as a husband, if you're in step with Jesus, and as a wife, you're in step with Jesus, you can't help but be walking in step together. You see what I'm saying? So if you ever feel like, I'm not on the same page with my wife, we're just out of step. You don't need to get in step with each other. You both need to get in step with the Father, and then you'll always be in step with each other. But it's about submitting yourself to God. It's about submitting yourself to His Word, and when you're walking in obedience to His Word, here's the thing he has no other option but to bless you, and so my prayer for a long time has not been God, would you bless this? Would you bless that? Would you do this? Would you do that? Instead, it's God, help me be so obedient, help me to walk such in step with you that you have no other option but to bring your favor in my life and to keep your hand upon me and to bless these things that you've birthed in my heart to do.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's so important because in, in just kind of reviewing as we pull it to pull it all together. Um, you know, we normally, what we'd like to do is be self-sufficient. And then when it's time to make a decision, we'd like to go to God. And what God wants is us to have such an intimate relationship that we're constantly walking with him. Um, you know, when you're a kid and somebody says, oh, I really love ice cream. And you're like, well, if you love it so much, why don't you marry it? Well, in Proverbs, (laughs) okay, in Proverbs, they literally talk about being married to wisdom, and, and so for the Jewish people, wisdom wasn't something you would attain once in a while. It was someone you wanted as close as a spouse. And, and God always fulfills his word. So Jesus just takes that same illustration. And he's just showing us that when you walk with the Lord, you become a person who makes wise decisions. And, and the challenge for me was I grew up with Jeremiah 2911. And my youth pastor always said, God's got a plan for your life. God's got a plan for your life. And it was so specific. And I was so afraid if I made one wrong decision that I was going to mess up the plan. And what they don't tell you when they tell you that verse is it took about 70 years. So the people that were 60 and heard that promise, they didn't get to see it, right? But what they did see was God said, plant yourself in Babylon, build homes, have children, bless where you are, and make some decisions. So for some of us, we're so scared of making the wrong decision. We've talked to people. We've prayed. We've fasted. We've done all these things. Now make the decision and trust that your heavenly father is walking with you. And and just real quick, when Jesus is in the boat with the disciples and there's a storm and he's asleep, they wake him up. And just think of kids and parents. Right. Don't you hate when you have a good nap? Oh, man. You know, not me. I don't like to nap. I constantly want to be with my children. Jackson's up there. I love you, buddy. I don't ever want to take naps. Um, but, but Jesus is taking a nap and they wake him up and they say this statement to him. They say, do, don't you care that we might die? And Jesus is frustrated. And here's why. Have you ever had a child that you have, you know, moms, what you go through just, just to give birth. Right. But have you ever had a child that you've taken to soccer practice? You've fed every night. You've made sure they have everything that you need. And then you tell them one time they can't go do something and they go, do you love me? And you're like, do I love you? Of course I love you. Look at what I've sacrificed. And in that moment, Jesus is in this storm, and they say, do you care that we're dying? And Jesus is frustrated. And I believe the reason he's frustrated is he says, this storm is nothing compared to the storm of God's wrath that I am going to endure for you on the cross. If you could get a glimpse of of what I am going to go through for you in this storm, you would never have to question if I was with you in any other storm. Jesus, was what he was getting at was, I'm gonna be abandoned by my heavenly father on the cross. He's gonna turn away from me so that he will never turn away from you. So if the cross tells us that Jesus is for us in the biggest storm of our lives, we can be confident that when we're making a decision and we've prayed and we've committed ourselves to the Lord and we're walking in wisdom and we've sought wise counsel and we've prayed, sometimes we just have to make the decision with the best information we have and know that it's not all in our hands. It's in his.
1: Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that our lives are in your hands. Lord, we're not doing this thing on our own. We're not out here left alone to figure it all out. But Lord, you've placed on the inside of us your spirit. And as your spirit is leading us and guiding us, Lord, there are so many doors of opportunity that are available to us. And Lord, those doors are opportunities. Lord, they're limitless opportunities. But it's not just of opportunities we can accomplish, but God, it's, it's, it's these moments of life and these snapshots and these chapters of our lives that are shaping us and forming us into the image of, of Christ. And so I pray that as we walk this life out, that we would recognize that we are lumps of clay and we are in the potter's hand and we are on your wheel and you are shaping us into the men and women, uh, the young men and women, the boys and girls that you've called us to be. And so I pray that today that we would have this incredible peace to know that our lives are in your hands and that your word reminds us that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. And so today I pray that we would pray Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, Lord, that we trust in you with all of our heart. We're not going to lean on our understanding. We're going to lean on your wisdom. And we're going to trust you in all of our ways. We're going to acknowledge you in all of our ways. And that you will make our path straight. And so, Lord, as we walk through this life, as we walk through these opportunities, as we walk through these God doors, Lord, that we would recognize this is about us being formed and shaped into the image of our Savior. And, Lord, as we worship you and our hearts are are pointed toward you, that our lives would be a living sacrifice and a light and a hope to the world that are pointing people to you. God, we exist for you and for your glory, and today we surrender to that. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And if there's somebody in this room, or that's listening online today, that doesn't have that kind of relationship with you, that they would simply say, Lord Jesus, I want that relationship. I want, I want what I hear these guys talking about today. I want to walk in fellowship. I want to walk in sync with you. I want your blessing, your favor in my life. And so I want to walk in obedience to your word. I want to walk in obedience to you. I want to follow you as I live my life. And so, Lord Jesus, I invite them to pray this simple prayer that says, I'm a sinner and I need your grace. And I ask you to wash me and cleanse me and set me free. And give me strength to live my life for you and walk in sync with you. And God, as I do that, Lord, would you birth in my heart what it is that you want to bless? Give me strength. Give us strength as a family to live in obedience so you have another word option just to bless us, Lord. Keep your hand on us. That was to find your favor, that your hand would be upon everything that we touch. God, that your your, your blessing, your peace would be upon every place that we put our foot. And we're going to be so quick to give you the praise, the honor, the glory for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And let the church say, amen, amen. Would you give Jesus an ovation of praise that he's worthy of today?